My name is Rudy Kelly, and I am an herb original. I am chief. My dad was a great chief of the Simshan Nation, beloved by his people. But at home, with his family, he brought anger and pain. He told me that to succeed, I would have to leave everything behind. Now I'm on a journey to find out who and what my dad really was. The Herb Original is an all-new CBC podcast. Available now. This is a CBC podcast. Sonia Rive is a gardener in North Vancouver, and when piles of mandarin oranges started turning up at her local dump, she took notice. I saw the pile. I didn't think anything of it. And I saw another, saw another, saw another, and finally was like, okay, this is ridiculous. We started peeling them open, and they're beautiful, and they were totally tasty. I've never, never seen anything like this. Fresh Direct Produce is the distribution company behind the dumped oranges. They told local media that the oranges were inspected and found to be, in their words, substandard. It's a small example of a massive food waste problem here in Canada. Kate Perizzo is an associate professor in the Department of Geography, Environment, and Geomatics at the University of Guelph. Kate, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I use the word massive. How big is the food waste problem in this country? So part of the issue is that we actually don't know. We don't have really good data. The best estimates that I've seen suggest that Canadians waste somewhere between 12 million tons of organic waste and 36 million tons. That's a lot of food. It's been estimated that it's about $50 billion worth of food and 3% of our GDP. So, Sonia, it does sound like a lot of food. Sonia, we just heard, was at the dump and saw that pile of mandarin oranges, peeled one open and said that it was fine, totally edible, and, 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 and she couldn't figure out why it would be there. How much of that food that gets wasted, that huge amount that you just ran through, is actually edible food? So again, we don't have great data, but what I've seen in our own research and what we've seen from our colleagues who do this kind of research is it's probably about two-thirds of all the food waste that's generated could have been eaten at some point. Do we know how much of that is coming from places like restaurants and grocery stores and food manufacturers versus individual households? There was a study that was done by Second Harvest, the amazing Canada-wide food rescue organization in partnership with Valley Chain Management International, and they've produced some pretty strong estimates on how much waste is coming from different parts of the food value chain. So they tell us it's probably about 4% from retail, for example. The bulk of it comes from production and processing and manufacturing. Tell me more about that. What is the the difference between, I think people think of the food and they think of either what's in their fridge or where they're getting it from at the grocery store or the market. We don't often follow the food chain along. So tell me more about that processing and, and production. Mm-hmm. And this is really a, a big part of the cultural issue around food waste is that it's so invisible to us because our food system is so invisible to us. So we know that there's food waste that happens across the entire food value chain. It happens on the farm, although a lot of it might get reused and uh, put back into the soil. It happens in distribution chains. It happens in the factories where most of our food is manufactured and processed. It happens in retail. It happens in homes and in restaurants and in catering. And in most of those spaces, we don't see any of that waste. Even in our own households, in our own kitchens, when we generate waste, a lot of it ends up in a little caddy in our kitchen that we then put the lid down on. Or in the back of the produce drawer in the refrigerator and it turns into slime. That's right. We heard, again, about this pile of oranges. And I just mentioned this because this is a really interesting example. The distribution company that said that they dumped the oranges in the landfill uh, said that the oranges were substandard. That's the language that they used. What does that mean? 
What that means is that we have a very high aesthetic standard for food in Canada. It means that we routinely waste a lot of food that is perfectly edible because it doesn't look perfect. It might not be the right size. It might not be the right color. I think what's truly unusual about the story is not that all those oranges are wasted. It's that there was somebody there at the dump who is able to witness it and to see it because it happens all the time. What, what kind of food, aside from oranges that are substandard, is being dumped in landfill that, that is deemed to be substandard, that doesn't meet that, that high threshold, as you say? So most of those aesthetic standards relate to produce. So that's fresh fruits and vegetables. And sometimes that food will end up in the processing chain where it doesn't matter what it looks like. But sometimes what happens is that farmers have contracts with retailers. And if the retailer says, I don't want it anymore, those farmers or the people who brokered for them are not allowed to sell that food anywhere else. Basically, we have so much food in this society that we are able to create a highly wasteful food system. But what's wrong with it? I mean, is the orange... The, the coloration is is off on on the the orange peel. The apple is is bruised. I mean, what would be wrong that it wouldn't meet that standard? It could be any of those things. It could be slight bruising. It could be bruising that was seen in one or two of the oranges, and then the entire batch was thrown out. It could be that the retailer just isn't moving as many oranges as they thought they would, and so they don't need a new delivery. So there are all kinds of aesthetic standards, but there are also these logistical agreements that can lead to food being turned away and not being eaten by anybody else. And again, just to be clear, if the retailer doesn't, if it's not selling those oranges, they're not being uh, picked up, they just send them into the landfill. That's one option of what might happen. Our producer, Ann Penman, in Vancouver, went to a local grocery store that donates some food to charities, perhaps to solve one of those issues that you've raised. Have a listen to what Ann found. Hi, my name is E.J. Marcello. I'm the owner of the IGA on West 4th in Vancouver. Uh, well, our company is involved with a company by the name of Food Mesh. So they come to the store five days a week and pick up any unsellable products that we have. So anything that we've marked down that's going to be expiring soon that we still don't feel, you know, that we can't sell to our customers, we pass it off to that company and then they distribute it to churches and soup soup kitchens around Vancouver and around our local area. Some examples that we have, uh, we've got a couple sandwiches down here. Right now they're marked off 25% for today. So tomorrow in the morning we pull those off the shelf put them in a box, the company would come by and pick those up and then distribute them out that day so that they can be consumed right away. So the grocery store owner there talked about food expiring. What are the rules around whether or not food has expired? These are going to be standards that are set by different retailers. Sometimes retailers will pull food before its best before date. And I want to point out a best before date is not an expiry date. There are very few foods in Canada that have actual expiry dates. They're the ones where we need to know that the nutritional content hasn't degraded. So think things like baby formula or Ensure or Boost for people who have health problems. We need to know that there's a certain nutritional content. And so there might be an expiry date on those things. But for the most part, it's a best before date that's created by manufacturers in a very opaque way. So we don't really know about the food science behind it. It's an indication that maybe it's time for people to be going out and buying fresh food. It's not an indication that the food that they actually have in their drawer has gone bad. So this is part of the problem. We don't have a lot of food literacy when it comes to things like best before dates. There was a report that was done earlier this year by um, a House of Commons committee looking at grocery affordability, and it called for Canada to, to get rid of best before dates because, to your point, there is this widespread misconception that they tell you whether the product is safe to consume or not. Nobody wants to get food poisoning. Nobody wants to be ill because they've eaten something that should have been consumed days before or been chucked in the bin. But 
is the answer to get rid of best before dates? So we're not sure. The UK is doing some work around this, particularly around milk and saying, well, you know what, if it starts to smell bad, then people are going to get rid of it. I think you're right that people do need some help with food safety. Again, we don't have really high food literacy in this country. And so I think that people do need some help. My suggestion would be that we need to think about how those best before dates are created, make sure that they're meaningful. And the other thing we need to think about is the food value chain. So For example, you go and you buy milk, you put it in the trunk of your car and drive around and do errands for two or three hours. Breaking that cold chain is probably going to make that milk go bad faster than whatever the expiry date says. So we need to think holistically about food and how we're treating it and why it goes bad. Because if we see those best before dates and the date has passed, we might, not having that food literacy, just end up chucking it in the bin rather than doing further investigation. That's right. And the research that we've done shows that the vast majority of people do that. If the best before date has passed, they throw out the food. They don't smell it. They don't taste it. They just say, you know what? It's done. I think when people hear about the scale of food waste, they will be alarmed. And particularly, there are things that individuals can control. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But at the industrial scale, at the scale of the grocery store, um, the people are concerned about this. And they want to know at a time when we see food insecurity, when we see the high cost of food, they want to know if something else has been done. So let me bring in somebody else into our conversation. His name is Josh Dominguez. He created a company called Flash Food, which uses an app to help connect consumers with discounted food. Josh, good morning to you. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. How does your app work? The retailer has excess food every day. Every retailer is a little bit different, every grocer. So instead of discarding that food however they see fit, uh, if the food still has two or three days of shelf life or same day, they mark the price down. It's up to 50%. And then they leave it in the flash food fridge, which is usually by the customer service desk. And then we send a notification out to our app and users can see the deal through their phone, pay through their phone and pick it up in the store the same day. So we basically took the discount food rack, made it look cool, put it on your cell phone. Why would the retailer, I mean, we talked a little bit about this with Kate, but why would those retailers have, in your words, excess food? There's a lot of reasons. Kate alluded to a lot of them. But one of the most meaningful ones that doesn't get talked about enough is it, it it builds on the foray of aesthetic look. So as consumers, when we all go grocery shopping, we're always reaching at the back for whatever has the longest shelf life. So the near-dated stuff moves to the front. And because of that, consumers are not selecting that near-dated stuff, and the retailer has to do something with it. In addition, we need the highest quality of everything. So if we go grocery shopping... And we see one watermelon on the shelf, we assume it's the worst one. So the retailer has to overstock the shelf so that we get selection. So in addition to supply chain challenges, um, maybe a power outage, storms, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. consumers are actually dictating a lot of this as well. What's the quality of food like in the flash food fridge? Yeah, our partners in Canada uh, across the country are Loblaws and Loblaws' brands. So No Frills, Superstore, Zayers, um, Real Canadian Superstore. So all the product is exactly what you would get at these stores. And we have also scaled across North America. So we're in about 2,000 stores, about 1,200 of them are in the States. And all of our partners are big, multi-billion dollar grocery retailers. And the quality of the product that you're getting is the same as what you'd buy. Like it's literally the same stuff at the store. How much cheaper is it than what is on the shelf? Up 
up to 50% off. Up to 50 per, up to up to 50% off. Yeah, I was talking to uh somebody last week and it depends on where you live uh to see what stores around you have the better deals because each store makes food available differently. Like each each store depends on what they have available at their store. So I was talking to one of your producers last week mm. and and uh they're in Roncesvalles and I was like, "You know what? Like you've got some great deals down the road. There was like a three-pack of sirloin steaks marked down from $23 to $9." Um, so each store is different, and I encourage folks to download the Flash Food app and check it out. And again, the app would then direct them to where this discounted food would be. Yeah, you'd get a map view with the stores around you that are online, and then you just click on the store, and it shows you what deals are available. And this is all this is all across the country. Yes. What sort of demand is there? I mean, at a time when. Um, retailers are on literally on the hot seat in the House of Commons mm-hmm. being grilled uh, because people believe that the cost of food is too high, that they're making too much of a profit, what have you. What kind of demand is there for this kind of discounted food? Yep. So flash food is like the most affordable way to buy your groceries, full stop, because of the way that our model works. And we're selling across Canada almost all of the food that gets made available on the app. Like we're talking upwards of 90% on a daily basis gets sold. And that's the same across the entire company, whether across the entire country, whether it's downtown Toronto or in different parts of BC or across different parts of Alberta, like Newfoundland, like we sell almost everything. The demand from consumers is massive. I was going to say, you found that people are willing to buy something. That, again, go back to, to the, the word that was used when it came to those oranges that, that might be substandard, that doesn't meet that the high level aesthetic uh, uh, mark. The consumers are still willing to buy that given the high cost of food. Mm-hmm. And again, like all of this food is incredible quality and you could have those oranges at a store level being moved out because there's a new shipment of oranges that are coming in. So even though they're perfectly good, you only have so much space to put stuff and you're obviously going to put stuff that has longer shelf life in the floor space. Um, I think what we challenged and what we proved as a business and are fortunate to have done with partners like Loblaws, like you, we couldn't do this without, we have no business without our grocery partners and what we've proven is that consumers are absolutely willing to buy this food and go out of the way to pick it up. So a lot of the orders are being picked up that same day. And it's just a, it was an assumption that retailers maybe didn't think about and didn't believe that consumers want, would want to do. Mm. And especially across Canada, we're proven that is the case. Just before I let you go, you and I spoke when you launched this app. How much, yeah. do, you know, do you know how much food you have diverted from landfill since yeah. then? Yeah, the, the way that we measure it is different because uh, it's imperfect the way that we measure it because it's based on food prices and average weights. So uh, obviously food prices have changed, but we can pretty confidently say that we've reduced nearly 100 million pounds of food that likely would have ended up in landfills. And over 50 million of that is in Canada over the last six years. So it's funny, we, we first spoke when it was an idea mm. and here we are maybe six, seven years later, and this is making a huge environmental impact. Josh, thank you very much. Matt, thanks for having me. Josh Dominguez is the founder and CEO of Flash Food. Have you ever longed to escape reality or fantasized about stepping into someone else's shoes, even for just a little while? Hi, I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. We host CBC's Play Me. The immersive podcast that transforms theater into addictive audio fiction. 
Join us for a new season and disappear into a world rich with drama, where every show delivers hypnotizing stories and unveils intriguing characters with secrets. Play me wherever you get your podcasts. Kate Perizzo, Associate Professor in the Department of Geography, Environment, and Geomatics at the University of Guelph, is still with us. What do you make of that idea, Kate? So I think that Josh is showing us the kind of innovation that we need to see across the food value chain. So while retail is not a huge contributor proportionally to food waste in Canada, it's about 4%, it's still millions and millions of kilograms or pounds. You know, we Canadians like to mix units. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a great example. And the other thing that apps like Flash Food and others are doing is they're changing our food culture. They're making this scale of waste a little bit more visible to us at the grocery store and hopefully encouraging people to think a little bit more about not just their own waste, but the waste that's happening across the food value chain. I mean, we're talking about this in the backdrop of rising food insecurity across Canada. You see enormous lines of people who are waiting in front of food banks, um, there's fundraising drives, you know, now the holiday season to try to raise funds and to raise food for those food banks because the need is overwhelming in this country. Claire McLean is the CEO of Share Family and Community Services Food Bank in the greater Vancouver area. Have a listen to Claire. It's really been a challenging year. You know, I think it's no surprise that folks in the community are struggling. We certainly have seen, we've seen over a 50% increase in the number of people that we're serving. We're also seeing people return to the food bank that haven't had to use it for years. And, and that's devastating. Um, we're seeing families come where both parents are, are working. They're working full-time, sometimes more than full-time jobs. It's quite dire for a lot of people in the community. And, and if the food bank wasn't here, I, I don't know what people would be doing. In some ways, it seems obvious. But how are those two issues, food waste and food insecurity, related? I think that we need to be really careful when we talk about this connection because we live in a country where we have ridiculously high rates of hunger and we live in a country where we have ridiculously high rates of food waste. But the solution isn't always to put those two things together. There are some great solutions that temporarily take food that is edible and give them to emergency food providers. I think that what we need to realize is that Food insecurity is a much bigger issue. It can't just be solved with donation. We need to talk about redressing income inequality. And the same is true of food waste. While this can be a temporary solution for some of that food, a small proportion that is donatable, we need to think higher up the 3R hierarchy and think about preventing that waste in the first place rather than just diverting it. Get to the root causes of both of those issues. How do we, how do we, we get to the root cause of the food waste piece? I mean, to, to the food insecurity piece, you will hear people say that this is, to your point, about poverty. This is about income. If we're trying to not throw food, perfectly good food, into the garbage, how do we go about addressing that? One thing that we need to do is start collecting better data. If we don't measure it, then we can't manage it. So we need to really understand what's happening across the food value chain. We need to create some policy coherence. So right now, we don't have a good way to talk about food waste. Sometimes people are talking about it as a moral issue or as a hunger issue. I think we need to be talking about it more as an environmental issue. Food waste is probably responsible for somewhere between 6 to 9% of all greenhouse gas emissions. And when you think that the entirety of aviation is responsible for 2% of all greenhouse gas emissions, it's a huge climate change issue. So thinking about creating policy, we need to join up governmental issues in Canada. The federal government's a little bit interested in this issue right now, but really it's the provinces and territories that have the most responsibility, and then they devolve that to municipalities who don't have enough money to deal with all of the issues that are on their plate right now. 
And then I think there is space for some regulation. So we might want to think about things like landfill bans. We might want to think about things like required reporting. But really, I think it's about putting money in the pockets of people who are doing really good work. It could be innovators. It could be municipalities. We need to create infrastructure for things like community kitchens that can help us to Hmm. uh, save this food and maybe give it to school food programs. Lots of great solutions and ideas out there. Kate, glad to talk to you about this. This is important. Thank you. Thank you. Kate Perizzo is an associate professor in the Department of Geography, Environment, and Geomatics at the University of Guelph. Your thoughts on this welcome, you can email us, thecurrent at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.